You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, I have to say here on the Paracast that Chris and I do not pretend to be perfect. Well, Chris is perfect because he's a trickster, and tricksters are always perfect. I tend to be less perfect. So we did make a mistake, an understandable mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. So last week, I mentioned on the show an article that basically said Aztec is really Roswell. The Aztec case in New Mexico was just a distortion of the Roswell case. It was an article. Yeah, good theory. I like the theory. Yes, it is. Very good theory. I mentioned it to Kevin Randall, and he seemed to think it was also an interesting point and worth discussing. It appeared at a site called UFO Iconoclast. And we knew that Tony Bergaglia was one of the contributors, and we assumed, or you assumed anyway, that Tony had written this article, because this is the kind of contrary point of view he takes. Well, after we did the show, we since learned that Tony didn't write the article. It was written by the main proprietor of that blog, Richard Reynolds. Yeah. But still a good idea. But Bregalia disavows it. <laughs> it's not his point of view. Well, it would be easy to uh, just stick your name on something if you're the one that writes it. I mean, hello. Well, he claims he puts his name on the stuff he writes, and therefore that would mean that what? That Richard Reynolds writes everything else? I don't know. It's confusing because if you look at the site, there's no real name anywhere. There's just no. an email address. Yeah, they kind of uh, have this sort of shadowy sort of presence, and I guess they like it that way. They uh, they tend to be a little snooty, I think, at times. Uh, Rich Reynolds tends to talk down to people. But uh, they do come up with some good stuff, and I do uh, visit the site from time to time when articles are posted. Of course, our friend Lance Moody is there, our arch-skeptic thorn in the side. Lance has, I think, a, um, a page there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Lance is fun. I mean, I enjoy hearing from him. He likes to push buttons. And sometimes he pushes the buttons in the wrong way, in the wrong parts of the anatomy, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and sometimes he gets banned from our forums when he gets too far. But he's back in again. I think he's been banned three or four times. Lance I saw back. him post one or two messages. But, you know, our original co-host wanted me to ban him from the forums on several occasions when he got really ornery. But I haven't banned you from the forums yet, Chris. Would you well, like to I'm, be? We can... I, I really have worked on the the creative flaming uh, techniques uh, over the years, and I do skirt close to the edge, but uh, I don't think I've really done anything that deserves to be uh, looked at in terms of being banned. Uh, we might have some posters that would disagree with that, but... Uh, you know, when people push my buttons, I, I do tend to push back. So what can I say? You know, I'm only human. I'm a passionate guy. And I stick up for my friends. Right. Now, it's also difficult, we understand, that when you bring someone on the show and he's your friend, and now you're in a position where you have to question them, but not just question them, maybe be critical of what they have to say. It's difficult, but we try. Well, having Ron Ron James on, I mean, the guys, I've worked for him off and on for eight years. I mean, he hired me to go out to uh, to do editing work out in California. What am I going to do, attack him? <laughs> I guess, you know. We did uh, take exception to a few things that he had to say um, about the citizen hearing and some of the controversy surrounding the inclusion of some pre- presenters there. And um, 
we didn't make any bones about it. We we felt that there were some uh, questionable selections there, and uh, he begged to differ, and we we got into it a little bit and and discussed it. Just because I'm friends with somebody, and a lot of the people that we have on the show, I'd say a majority of them I've known for years uh, in some cases, and you know I do have a certain amount of respect, just personal respect for people. You know, Mama raised me right. But, uh, you know, occasionally, you know, we do get some flack on, on the forums that we're, we're being too soft on people. We're not asking probing enough questions. And, you know, I think, Gene, if you look at some of the podcasts out there, and there's quite a number of them, first of all, they don't even know how to do a radio show. Um, the technical side of it is, is highly suspect. But, but uh, some of these shows are just, you know, they just pander to the true believers and, and, we we want to know. We want to get to the core of, of an issue, core of a subject. We want to ascertain as many facts and and uh, unassailable data as we possibly can. Separate that signal from the noise. And I think we do a really good job doing that. And some people, if they take exception to that, well, that's their prerogative. And you know, this is uh, barely still a free country, and everybody does have uh, you know some remaining uh, freedom of spe- speech rights. So uh, the same holds true here at the Paracast. Yes, the NSA is watching us real carefully, but we do hope we have some sort of freedom to talk about the things we say. By the way, one of the figures in the book that we're going to discuss later in the show was actually visited a number of times by the government for things Uh he said. So that's fairly interesting, and we'll get into that a little bit later, because we're going to talk about two larger-than-life people whose lives were very much fiction stories a little bit later. But let me get back to Ron James. I think part of the problem, of course, is that he has a working relationship with people like Stephen Bassett, or maybe he's had too much of the Kool-Aid because he believes absolutely UFOs are spaceships. The government knows what's going on. We just have to get them to disclose it. But, you know, there's also something which cites the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again thinking there's going to be a different result. So I ask the people who say, okay, the government has this project or this knowledge inside about UFOs being spaceships. Tell us the truth. Let's get congressional hearings or something. Well, let's go back to the 1950s. Major Donald Kehoe, retired Marine Corps major, wrote lots of articles about aviation, knew people in the military, wrote these best-selling books about UFOs. His first one summed up everything. Flying saucers from outer space, 1950-51. They're from outer space. There is it. The government is keeping a secret. He had a book out called The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. He lobbied through this organization, NICAP, for years to get congressional hearings. And finally, because of the Michigan sightings in the 1960s, then Congressman Gerald Ford arranged for those hearings. We got the Condon Committee arose over this... Congressional hearing, of course, they the whitewash. Whitewash, you mean? And they whitewash the whole subject. So, why do we assume, sixty years later, fifty years later, that if we do exactly what Major Kehoe did in the fifties and sixties, that we will get a different result? Why assume today will fare any better? Yeah, I don't know. That's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. I, I just have this sneaking hunch that even if the government did know something and was willing to disclose it, it wouldn't satisfy people out there. I think the real down and dirty 
data information, I think, is held in the hands of the aerospace companies and in the private sector. And I think that uh, most political figures who come and go don't have a need to know in the eyes of uh, the people that are controlling the uh, information. And and I think the the more you know about this subject, I've said this many times, the more you know about the subject is is uh, in proportion to how confused you are. And I think the government, the military, and the aerospace companies do know quite a bit more about this subject. That's why they're even more confused. We go round and round um, every so often on this subject. And and you're right, Gene, the definition of insanity is trying trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And it's just, it's not going to happen. What's going to happen next is we're going to talk about a book called War Over Lemuria, Subtitled, Richard Shaver, Ray Palmer, and the Strangest Chapter of 1940 Science Fiction by Richard Toronto. And remember, Shaver and Palmer were responsible for introducing countless numbers of people to the possibility of UFOs or flying saucers. So there are lots and lots, did I say lots of important things to talk about here. They were larger-than-life figures. Fascinating. Our guest will be Richard Toronto, the author. And Geneva Hagen, who with me co-edited Caveat Tour magazine. We both knew Shaver, and she's got great insights. All this, so much more coming. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so who is watching your home when you're not there? Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world-famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions. You can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $39 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic any time. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called MicroPlant Powder Gold. MicroPlant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make MicroPlant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals. Minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast this week, we're going to go back in time, but we're going to tell you how the UFO field began and also, what we call here in Richard Toronto's book, The Strangest Chapter of 40 Science Fiction, the feeling I have is that without a guy like Ray Palmer and the people who followed him, some of the popularization of science fiction would not have occurred. It would have been the province of a few dozen fans, and by making it mass market, it paved the way for Forbidden Planet movies like that. In the 50s, in the 70s, Star Wars, in the 60s, Star Trek, continuing to the present day. All this came out of the kind of science fiction that Ray Palmer championed. Richard Toronto joins us, also Geneva Hagen. Richard, I loved your book, every word of it. And it's an incredible amount of research because Shaver and Palmer were larger-than-life figures, and a lot of the things they told about themselves were fiction. Right, Richard? This is true. This is what made it so difficult to write that book. When, the more you look into both characters, the more you realize they had certain things in common. Now, when, when Ray Palmer was growing up, everybody knows the story about his accident and how horrible it was. and uh, He goes into it in his autobiography. You, you know all that part. And a couple of times, people like Howard Brown and, and uh, Paul Fairman and others 
claim that that accident made him bitter. Well, it didn't really make him bitter, but no one really understood how trauma like that, and that's what it was. It was severe trauma to a very young boy. How that kind of trauma, now called PTSD, how it could affect one's thinking and outlook on the world, and that's what I think formed Ray Palmer's outlook, and a lot of it had to do with creating the world like he would rather have it be. And that's what made it really difficult to separate fact from fiction when I wrote it. Where did you have to go to put the true story together? We know what Palmer wrote because all that stuff's available, but how did you go back to find the facts about his background, his experiences, and amazing stories about Fate magazine, about the stuff he did thereafter? Well, and, you know, when he wrote Martian Diary, which became part of The Secret World, you know, it had Richard Shaver's rock book book in there. He said that was going to be the official final say on the truth. He, he was going to reveal all. This was the actual fact, and nobody could discount it after that because this was his official version of the story. Well, there were still so many discrepancies and non-facts in there. It was pathetic, um, like his education. He claimed he graduated high school. He didn't graduate from high school. I had to call every school in Milwaukee that was existent at the time he was a student to find out where he was, and that took me a while. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't talk to me about it, but piece by piece, I got it. He he basically went to work at about 16 years old, being uh, a bookkeeper for the P.J. Levy's company. You remember that story? One thing we should mention for people who don't know the full story, as a small child, Ray Palmer was hit, I guess, by a truck, suffered severe injury, severe deformity. He was basically never grew beyond four feet eight inches. He was also a hunchback although he did stand upright. Mm -hmm. And you think, of course, when they say Hunchback, they think of the movie The Hunchback of Notre Dame or something like that. But, you know, he made it through life. He was married. He had a great family, despite his deformity. But it also made him, I suppose, defensive or overcompensating in his behavior. Well, if you think about it... Um before the accident, he was like the little child prodigy. His mother entered him in this contest where he was the healthy baby for the uh, Gridley Dairy uh, contest, you know, and his picture was on milk bottle caps, and he was just the epitome of the perfect little baby. Well, that affects you as a kid, too. You know, you think, well, I'm pretty special. I'm a perfect baby. And then he gets in this accident. Well, the accident was he somehow wedged his foot in the wooden spokes of this truck. Now, even even the type of truck it is, it's, it goes from, it runs the gamut between a milk truck, a butcher truck, a beer truck. No one seems to have the exact uh, actual type of truck it was, but it was a truck. He put his leg in there and the truck took off. And so what that did, it pulled him up, you know, those were big wheels in those days, pulled him up and then whacked him down into the pavement head first. 
And this happened a few times over and over. So it fractured his spine, basically broke his back, and his father wouldn't take him to the hospital. Now, this is the other thing about Ray Palmer's history, that the relationship with his father, which was not good. His father was an alcoholic, um, and because his father wouldn't face the facts, uh, Ray Palmer basically was doomed to, to this life of deformity. Is that another reason why he would maybe retreat into himself, expand his imagination, and become a science fiction fan and later a science fiction editor and writer because he could create his own imaginary universe and exist within it? Exactly. And, you know, he spent a lot of time alone because he was stuck in that hammock-like thing because he wasn't supposed to move. But then, periodically, his father thought he should come out and socialize and everything, well, how do you go from being the perfect baby and then thrown into the world looking like, you know, a little hunchback? You know, and people are not going to react the same way to you as they did before. People stared. One of the things he hated was the look of pity in people's eyes. You know, family, friends would come over and they would pity him, and he hated that, which is what spurred him on to try and prove everybody was wrong about his future. They thought he was going to be, you know, some cripple selling apples on the corner or something. And the other thing is, of course, is that over his life on a number of occasions, and we're not going to go into those details, it's in the book, they pretty well gave him up for dead. Yep. Yet he hung out till he was in his late 60s, which was probably six decades longer than people might have thought he would have lived. Okay, so we have Ray Palmer, becomes a science fiction fan and later becomes editor of amazing stories and fantastic and all those great Ziff Davis titles in the late 30s. Then we have the parallel universe there of Richard Shaver, who also had a fairly interesting background. Let's talk a little bit about that. We're going to have to do a break in a few seconds, so maybe I'll just point out something here that our listeners may know. I met Ray Palmer in 1965, talked to him on the phone a few times after that. Geneva and I met Richard Shaver at his cottage in Summit, Arkansas, back in the early 70s, a few years before his death, and later on, Geneva will tell you about that. So we have some fascinating remembrances, but right now in our next segment, we'll be focusing a little bit about the life of Richard Shaver, how he got started. The book is War Over Lemuria from Richard Toronto. We also have Geneva Hagen joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Oklahoma reminds us there are many kinds of storms in our lives. Nature regularly sends us destructive storms. 24 hours before a storm strikes, people panic. It would be wise to prepare ahead of the panic curve. The food price storm from drought and livestock problems is forecast to hit ridiculous heights by the end of the summer. Wonder if there will really be a problem? eFoods Direct has a plan to maximize your food dollar and guarantee you'll be glad you ordered food. Until July 10th, buy three of any food item and receive the fourth one free with free shipping. The guarantee. After September 20th, when you've seen what happened with food prices and shortages, if you're not glad you ordered food, return the food unopened for a full refund. Go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or call 800-409-5633. Your peace of mind guarantee. eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or 800-409-5633. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Richard Toronto is with us. We have Geneva Hagen joining Gene and Chris. We're talking about 
Richard Shaver and Ray Palmer and all the wacky stuff that happened in 1940s science fiction. So now the course of life. Richard Shaver, Richard Toronto, tell us a little bit about his background and what made him, as they say, approach someone like Ray Palmer. At the point that Richard Shaver met Ray Palmer through the mail, of course, Shaver had just gotten out of Ionia State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. He got out of there in May 1943. After that, Shaver went back to his parents' home in um, Bartow, Pennsylvania. They had a little three- or four-acre farm there, and it was kind of a restful place for Shaver to be, and he was recovering from Ten, about ten years in incarcerated, although he had escaped a few times, the longest being about from 1937 to sometime in 1938, so almost a year he was, he was on the lam. Now, we should tell our listeners that at least the first incarceration, he may have been railroaded to that. Why was he incarcerated? Uh, well, he started hearing voices. Now... As everybody knows, the story goes that he started hearing it through his welding gun. When the uh, problem started, let's say, um, he was married to Sophie Gervich Shaver. Um, She was a young Communist League member, and Shaver joined the party. Uh, We understand here a lot of people in the 30s joined the Communist Party. Today, you know, you think about all this, say, what were they doing? They wanted to destroy this country. No, this was, for a while, a fairly normal thing to happen for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um, This was before the Cold War. And the Communist Party and socialism was not not seen then as it's seen now. It's been uh, demonized now since the Cold War. But in those days... Shaver was probably coming from a place like Jack London, you know, in his writings, or maybe D. Traven. Uh, these were people that were looking out for the working man, and at that point in time, corporate America was really tromping on the uh, working man. They they had no say. This was when unions were just beginning. Um, Shaver was living in Detroit in the early 30s, and in 1932, uh, the Ford massacre happened, and that's when uh, a bunch of uh, protesters during uh, the Depression marched. It was a peaceful uh, demonstration up to a point when the police came, and then they started throwing dirt clods at the police, and then the police opened up, and uh, so did uh, Ford's henchmen, and a few people were killed, a lot of people injured, and uh, this is what caused a certain solidarity among uh, communists in Detroit at that time. A lot of the people who worked on the assembly lines were communists and socialists, but it, like I say, it wasn't the same kind of deal as it is now. Okay, so, so Shaver is hearing voices. Right. So what happened was Shaver's brother, Tate, died. Um, that was one thing. Uh, and another thing I found out was there was an extreme stress going on between the Shaver family, which he was very tight with his family, and the Gervich family, who was an old country Russian Jewish family. They were not happy about the marriage, and neither was the Shaver family happy about their marriage. 
they got married in 1932, I believe. So uh, they had a lot of pressure from both sides of the family. Then Brother Tate dies. Then, as the story goes, uh, Richard Shaver just flipped out and started walking. Well, I don't know where he walked. I don't know how long he walked. But during this walk, he got sunstroke, supposedly. He told me this, too. He claimed that he was in the hospital for two weeks with sunstroke. Well, he may have been in for two weeks for sunstroke, but it wasn't too many years after that that he was put in Ypsilanti because he was hearing voices. So it could have been a, a this vortex of all these things going on in his life. Um, his mother said that his breakdown was a long time coming, but I don't know what she meant by that. So that's when the voices started, and his wife, Sophie, is the one that committed him. How did this make him criminally insane? Um, well, he was in Ypsilanti State Hospital, which was a, a lower security facility, and in fact um, would allow uh, outpatient visits to their old home. And, and since Sophie was his guardian, this was all through the courts, um, she was became his guardian, uh, she could say, okay, uh, he can come home for the weekend or for a week or whatever, and I'll take responsibility for him. And they didn't seem to have a problem with that at Ypsilanti. But when Sophie died in that freak accident in the bathtub, she was electrocuted. Remember that? It was it was a crazy story. But that was in uh, early 30, oh, December 37. She died. He has no guardian at that point. And at that time, Sophie had allowed him to go back to Bartow to stay with his parents because everybody agreed he'd be better off staying there with his parents, you know, for recovery. So here he is and in Bartow. Uh, his wife is electrocuted. Uh, no, he has no guardian. And uh, I haven't told you the other part that uh, his wife's family hated him. Okay, that was that was what it boiled down to, and they did not want him associating with his own daughter. So, at that point, uh, Sophie's family decides they're going to appoint their lawyer as his guardian. His name was Louis Tendler. So, uh, in January of uh, thirty, I think it was well. I get it mixed up between 37 and 38, but it, it's right in there. Um, he gets appointed as Shaver's guardian. Well, when Shaver finds this out, he books. He just takes off without telling his parents where he's going or anybody where he's going because I think, I mean, he didn't say it, but I suspect he was afraid they were going to put him back in Ypsilanti because he didn't have Sophie, who was more sympathetic to his case. So he went on the lam for a year. So that's an escape. He, uh, a lot of people say, well, uh, there's no discharge paper from Ypsilanti, so how could he be in Ionia, which is a really high uh, security facility? Well, <laughs> there was no discharge because he escaped from Ypsilanti. And that's why they finally decided when they caught him uh, a year later that they were going to lock him up and throw away the key. Okay, let's now look at this confluence of events here. 
what was Schaefer doing when he first hooked up with Ray Palmer, and how did he do it? And before we go on, we have about 50 seconds to start this answer, so go ahead, Richard. Okay. Well, while he was in Ionia, there was no way for him to get out like he used to go on visits, and nobody came to visit him except once in 1938. It was uh, Sophie's sister, Rose, came to visit him. And he was pretty much hung out to dry, so he had plenty of time to ruminate and think, and he did a lot of writing, and he did a lot of research in uh, scientific matters. And that's when he started writing his science down, you know, D&T physics and uh, electrochems and uh, the mech and all this stuff. He, he was, I don't know what was going on with him, but he could have been having visions, but he was also having shock treatments there, too. We'll get into more of Richard Shaver and Ray Palmer and what went on in science fiction and where it led. And in fact, it led to the beginnings of the UFO field. The book is War Over Lemuria with Richard Toronto. We also have Geneva Hagen with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, And the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called NUCA. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? 
If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends. If you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships. If you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise. And you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Now, ladies and gentlemen, after we go through this history and very quickly what happened with the Shaver mystery, we're going to mention the fact that I did meet Ray Palmer. As I mentioned before, I'll tell you about that visit, and Geneva will tell you about the visit we both made to... Richard Shaver in the 70s when he was talking about something called rock books. Okay, Richard Toronto is author of War Over Lemuria, talking about the fact that Shaver was put into mental institutions, probably railroaded there. But at some point, he created this new alphabet, the Mantung alphabet, which is what he sent to Palmer, right? That's right. That was one of the things he worked on that he discovered while he was in Ionia. And that's what seemed to click with Ray Palmer. And another incident, <laughs> there's so many of these little incidents, you know, these little miracle incidents in, in their lives. And as I pointed out in the book, uh, if it weren't for Howard Brown, I don't think the Shaver mystery ever would have happened. Tell us the story. This is fascinating here. He was an assistant editor at Amazing Stories. That's right. And he gets this letter. What happened next? Well, uh, the backstory is that they that Howard Brown and Ray Palmer always kind of had this feud going. Uh, Howard disapproved of Ray Palmer. Howard was a very good writer. He wrote a series of detective yarn, uh, novels, and he was editor of uh, Mammoth Mysteries and Mammoth Detective for Zip Davis. But he had to do what Ray Palmer told him to do because he worked as his assistant also. And Ray Palmer never let him forget that. So here, uh, you know, 
Howard always got stuck with mail duty. So he was reading this letter from Shaver, and he just couldn't believe his eyes, and so he made fun of the letter. And uh, Ray Palmer was there, and he was listening to all this. And uh, like I said, if Howard had just thrown the letter away... And And kept his mouth shut. (laughs) And kept his mouth shut, that would have been the end of it. Ray Palmer never would have met Richard Shaver. But it's irony that Howard Brown, one of the biggest critics of Ray Palmer and the Shaver mystery, actually helped create the whole situation, and I don't think that irony was lost on him. That's how it all started. With, with I, I love your description in the book where, where the, he throws the letter away, and it's fished out of the, the, the wastebasket, it's smoothed out, and then he's told to print it. <laughs> In its entirety. I love that that little it's just a fascinating little bit there. I also, wonder, by the way, before you finish your answer your question there, Chris, whether Palmer partly did that despite Brown. Chris? Ray Palmer, it seems to me, you know, never having met the man, but it seems like a lot of things he did always left room for interpretation. You didn't know if he was serious, whether that twinkle in the eye was was uh some sort of uh, a vindictive agenda or, you know, you get this real sense of Palmer. He was a real trickster in, in many ways. And I love the uh, section also, Richard, in the book where, where they, they printed a request for, you know, uh, ancient language experts or ling- linguists to, to look at this alphabet and they got a hundred replies. And then <laughs> when the story came out of where the alphabet came from, nobody would touch it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the way it went with Shaver. You know, uh, he would propose, he was always great at proposing all these ideas, but then as soon as people heard, you know, where he was getting his information, they just didn't want anything to do with it. Now, that's the big thing here, too. The stories originally came out as science fiction. Right. Right. Heavily rewritten, edited by Palmer. But Shaver's mm-hmm. truth was that there were caves down there. Tell us more. Uh, well, Palmer, you know, didn't want to say that at first, and uh, that was one of the first of many gaps to Shaver. Uh, he, uh, Ray Palmer called it uh, racial memory. He didn't think that uh, the fact that Shaver had visited caverns and found all this out as fact would, would work. So he said the whole story of I Remember Lemuria was... Shaver got it from racial memory, but after that issue and so many people wrote in, then Palmer felt a little more emboldened and uh, decided, yeah, okay, (laughs) we'll go with with what Shaver's telling me, that this is, you know, fact, this is, he was there, he was in the caverns. And and as time went on, Palmer even... uh, started to claim that he knew certain things about Lemuria and Mu, that he was sort of a reincarnated person from, you know, the elder time himself, and that we should all, all of us reincarnated Lemurians should gather around and support each other and everything. I have a question as to how many subscribers they would have had at that time, and of those, how many people wrote in? Well, Palmer always said that the Shaver Mystery uh, increased their circulation by 50,000. And I think they were hovering before that around 125,000 or 130,000. So 
um, and that's what William Hamling told me too. He he said about fifty thousand extra people were brought in by the Shaver mystery. And how many of those people wrote to say that it was actually true? That is up for grabs. Nobody knows for sure. Um, Palmer once described the, the letters as like a stack standing four feet high in front of his, his publisher or whatever. Um, there was always talk of these thousands of letters. But Shaver even said that he never really got to see the letters. Um, I don't know who else saw these letters other than Ray Palmer and maybe, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, so, the indication that, was that there were a lot of people out there in, in the uh, readership that were hearing voices. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it still happens. So it was going on then too. Exactly. And, and what I found interesting is how far we've come because now there's the hearing voices network a support group for people who hear voices. And as I point out in the book, more than just the Shaver mystery being some interesting science fiction series, it was a uh, a venue, a place for people who did hear voices to go for support. You know, it was like, wow, here's somebody else that, that's hearing voices, and they're kind of saying what, you know, I hear. And he was ahead of his time, really, in psychological terms. Uh, if you look at it in psychological terms, Amazing Stories was becoming sort of this uh, psychological support group for people who were hearing voices. And when Biff kicked the Shaver mystery out, it took another 40 years before um, actual professors and people with degrees started looking at this and saying, yeah, you know, you don't have to be a totally schizophrenic, crazy person to live a normal life, but you hear voices. You just have to come to terms with it. That's a quick question here. Now, were the stories in the writings of these people, were they consistent with what Shaver claimed? Palmer said that they were, and Shaver said they were too. Shaver always said that it was too coincidental for everyone saying something very similar. You know, he he pointed out in this uh, early fate piece, uh, he wrote it as G.H. Irwin called 20 Million Maniacs. You remember that? Um, it was all about people who heard voices. Now, this was, I think, in the very first issue of fate. So I think that G.H. Irwin, G.H. Irwin was a, a pen name, a house name that, Rap used. During- Rap, by the way, is Raymond A. Palmer. He signed <laughs> right. all his articles with the three letters. Right. Everybody called him Rap. Um, anyway, uh, three people used that house name. One was Leroy Yerksa, the man who uh, introduced uh, Ray Palmer to his future wife, Marjorie. Um, and the other man was. Richard Shaver, and the third man was Ray Palmer. So three people used that name. Well, in 1948, by that time, only two were left living, Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver. So I think that the article was written by both. Uh, But in that article, uh, G.H. Irwin points out that um, people who hear voices uh, often will relate really similar things that they're saying. And he 
postulated that why are they saying all the same thing? You know, shouldn't they be coming up with all different things that they, the voices would be telling him? But the voices are being very consistent. So he used that as part of his argument that there was a single source for the voices. And we'll discuss what that source was supposedly well, in our next uh, segment, but we now have to do our break. Richard Toronto joining us. The book is War Over Lemuria. We're joined by Geneva Hagen with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of a 100% blocked artery in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been, thankfully, the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So now we're focusing on the core claims of Richard Shaver, what the voices are telling him, what he may have even experienced. The book is War Over Lemuria by Richard Toronto. We're joined by Geneva Hagen this week. I'm Gene Steinberg with Chris O'Brien, our favorite trickster. Okay, Richard, let's have the answer now, maybe in a quick Reader's Digest version. What is the core basis of what Shaver claims? Uh, He claimed that there is a race of beings living under the planet in caverns that were put there by a, a much older race, a very advanced race that had to leave the planet thanks to our sun uh, spewing out detrimental radiation. They couldn't take it, these elder people who came from space. 
they were living on Earth uh, at a time when it was a benevolent place, but for a time they decided, well, we're not going to leave yet. We're going to go underground. So they went underground. They had advanced technology. They, uh, before they migrated back into space, they left a lot of this machinery, these mech, as they called it. But there were stragglers, and the stragglers are the people, the mutants that are down there today called the Darrow, and the good people are the Tarot. These are the people that helped Shaver. So there were these two forces at work that were constantly using these rays. You know, uh, I should point out that uh, this is, follows the exact scenario of the influencing machine of... Uh, psychiatry of the schizophrenic personality. This came out around the turn of the last century. There's been a lot of cases of people who feel that they're being raided by some source somewhere, and a lot of times it's underground, can be elsewhere. But uh, Shaver was displaying all of the symptoms of a schizophrenic that was feeling he was controlled by some outside source. So that was the core of his teaching was that uh, these evil beings were causing humanity all kinds of problems, and he uh, acquired a lot of information from ancient uh, scrolls, uh, these thought records that he uh, accessed while he was down there. This could have been the time that he was in Ionia. I'm not sure if it was exactly that time or if it began while he was in Ypsilanti, but it happened during time when he was in one of those places. So in the sense here, he was in a trance or dreaming, one feels, when he felt he went to the caves and had these encounters. Yeah, I've, I've got accounts from people who actually have seen Shaver in trance. Uh, he would slip into these trance-like states, and that's when they would hear the voices coming from Shaver. Now, one thing Palmer told me that freaked him out, and I don't know whether you mentioned much of it in the book, and that is he went to Shaver's home in Barnhill, Pennsylvania one time, heard the voices, but he said it couldn't have been from Shaver because sometimes the voices would speak at the same time. They'd overlap each other. Mm -hmm. Well, what he would write in his editorials in, in Amazing, and then there was what he would write in letters to Shaver. Now, there were a lot of letters that he published in The Hidden World, just scads and scads, pages and pages of these letters uh, from Shaver and then some from Palmer to Shaver. And in uh, one of those letters, Palmer does say, you know, you're telling me that, you know, it's a woman at a control panel down in a cavern, but, you know, how do I know that? You know, I mean, you're telling me this. How do I know it's not some occult thing like on the astral plane? Or uh, And that's what got Palmer interested more in, in the occult and metaphysics was this whole aspect of where these voices were coming from, and he didn't seem to think that they were coming from caverns below our feet. He, he kind of combined it with the Owaski Bible and put the voices and the influences as coming from someplace about 100 miles up in our atmosphere. Now, we should mention also that Shaver always maintained there were physical experiences, but now let's get to the next segment of this, which is that what happened in Amazing Stories and the reader reaction? Because, first of all, one of the things that Palmer did when he became editor of Amazing Stories, he made it a mass market science fiction magazine. It wasn't just cerebral stuff where we take 
some kind of new invention and we do a story around it. This had characters and action paving the way for things like, I said before, Forbidden Planet and Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that, right? That's right. Um, in fact, I would say that movies, uh, even before Star Wars, science fiction films adhere more to the Palmer type of science fiction rather than the John W. Campbell Jr. science fiction. See, even before the Shaver mystery, fandom was already split into two camps. You had John Campbell Jr., who was more the cerebral kind of science fiction, you know, for the intellectual, and, and the fans followed that guy. They felt that science fiction deserved a place in mainstream literature, which it didn't have. It was, it was like dime magazine-type literature. It was pulp literature. Okay, so Palmer, in working out his type of science fiction in the 1930s when he worked at Fantasy Magazine, he was heavily influenced by a guy named Weinbaum, Stanley G. Weinbaum, who humanized science fiction. He got away from the old, you know, nuts and bolts, clunky robot kind of thing and gave aliens personalities. This was before George Lucas, way before. So... Palmer was totally blown away by Weinbaum, who died very young. So Palmer took on the mantle of, of Weinbaum, and this influenced his type of science fiction, which was more of a visceral, emotional science fiction, which the fans, and, and i got to add here, the fans' fandom was only about 150 kids, you know, but they were the people at that time they grew up to write the histories of science fiction like Forrest J. Ackerman, Moskowitz, and Harry Warner Jr. All these were young people, fans, and they were the ones that wrote the history. It's like the victory is to the person who gets to write the history, right? Well, that's why Ray Palmer has always been so discounted and reviled over the years. These, these are the people that didn't like him at that point in time. They didn't like it because of Shaver. So basically here, a lot of science fiction fans were up in arms over amazing stories, fantastic, and complained as if Davis because of all the stuff with the Shaver mystery and these caves and all that. Oh, yeah. That was like the uh, cherry on top of the cake. Once, once Palmer came up with the Shaver mystery, they dug their heels in, and that's when they started writing in letters, started complaining. That's when... Uh, Shaver got a lot of bad media attention, too, about the Shaver mystery. Yeah, so he got a lot of bad press, and the fans were constantly hammering him. Um, he was they were actually even trying to hoax him. They would be sending in these stories to see if he'd print them, and then they'd, uh, they'd spread the news that they were able to get through and, and, uh, and bamboozle. Uh, Palmer, and uh, and this created some uh, quite a bit of uh, of controversy amongst the uh, the real hardcore science fiction fans. Yep, uh, Palmer fell for quite a few hoaxes. In fact, um, in my second book to uh, War Over Lemuria, which is called Shaverology, a Shaver Mystery Home Companion. Um, I go into that uh, extensively about hoaxes. And I talk about the, you know, people always said how Ray Palmer was such a hoaxer, that he was constantly coming up with hoaxes. But the more you dig into it, the more you find that he was taken in by more hoaxes than he ever created hoaxes. 
Now, I had talked to a science fiction writer back in the 70s, talking about Palmer, and he said Palmer was the kind of person who would state an argument, not because he believed it, but to get reader reaction, to keep those cards and letters coming, to keep active letters to the editor sections. But at some point in time, the Schaefer mystery faded out of amazing stories, but then Palmer and Curtis Fuller began Fate Magazine. Let's talk about the beginnings of Fate Magazine, because just before that, we were getting the first mass reports and sightings of UFOs. Richard Toronto joins us with Geneva Hagen, Gene Steinberg, and Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? 
What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. I'm thinking of the Lone Ranger here because we're going back to the 40s. So in the latter days of the Shaver mystery, Richard Toronto, we heard about UFOs, then called flying saucers, and Palmer was collecting this stuff, and then he got involved in setting up Fate magazine. Let's talk about the first UFO reports, how Shaver may have predicted the UFOs according to some estimates and some claims, and how it led to Fate Magazine. Shaver talked about uh, some of the, like I said, these mech, these machines that the elder race left below. And one of the uh, transport vehicles was called a Rolat. The way Shaver described it, it was very similar to the way flying saucers behaved. They could come out of the caverns and fly in the atmosphere, and uh, they could even go into space. This is what Ray Palmer used as one of his proofs that the Shaver mystery was indeed real, because once the Maury Island incident happened and then uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, and flying saucers became a big national subject, Palmer used that to tie into the Shaver mystery, but at that point in time, the Shaver mystery was already sliding out the door because by 1947, Ziff had told Palmer, you got to cut loose this mystery part of, you know, if you want to print Shaver's science fiction stories, fine, but we're not going to have any more of the Shaver mystery stuff. They didn't like talk about the flying saucers because, um, and I got this straight from the horse's mouth when I talked to uh William Hamley, he said that the Zip Davis offices were constantly visited by agents of the government and military. What they were interested in were things that uh, Ray Palmer was talking about, you know, flying saucers and the Shaver mystery. Now, it came to a time here where because of one of those incidents, and we've talked about before on the Paracast, the Maury Island UFO sighting, because of that, Palmer was visited and actually vilified by oh, some yeah. people in the government, such as Edward Ruppelt, who called Maury Island like the biggest hoax in history and blamed the Chicago publisher for it, the Chicago publisher being, of course, Ray Palmer. Tell us. And he wasn't the only one. Uh, Palmer was, was publicly humiliated like that more than once. Uh, Martin Gardner, in his book, 
fads and fallacies in the name of science, uh, he just raked Palmer over the coals for that and said that the two guys that were behind the hoax just did it because uh, this is what the Chicago publisher wanted them to say, that these fragments that they picked up on the beach actually were produced from a UFO. And the crazy thing is, that even though that incident, and, and you say you've gone into it, so maybe your listeners know, that two uh, Air Force uh, officers died in, a, in an air crash because of you know them going up there to investigate this, and then their plane mysteriously crashes with the so-called UFO uh, debris on board that was never recovered. And yet the two guys that were involved, uh, Harold Dahl and, and Fred L. Crisman, were never prosecuted. I mean, that, that's totally crazy. They fabricated a situation that dragged in the Air Force intelligence. Two people died, a plane was lost, and the only person that was blamed was Ray Palmer. And what could Ray Palmer do except, as I gather, the only thing he really did was to ask Kenneth Arnold, who saw the nine disc-shaped objects over Mount Rainier folks while flying his private plane. He was dispatched to go to Tacoma, Washington, to figure out what was going on. Yes, he was, and he was not too happy about it after a while, because Chrisman and a lot of people... Now, uh, there was a steam shovel press book, and you probably know it. What was it called? Uh, the Chrisman UFO Conspiracy, or something like that, by uh, Ken Thomas. That was a very well-researched and huge book on that whole incident. And it seemed to me that it was a setup. To me, it was a setup. Uh, they wanted to publicly humiliate Ray Palmer by sucking him in. But Ray Palmer was a sucker for suckering into it because Chrisman had written a couple of hoax letters to Fantastic Adventures and Amazing Stories. And later, Ray Palmer said he didn't really believe those letters. But when Chrisman called him up and said, hey, I've got this flying saucer debris here, what did Ray Palmer do? He sent <laughs> Kenneth Arnold out there to investigate, and he got even deeper in the whole mess. By the way, why did Palmer and Curtis Fuller found Fate magazine? Well, Ray Palmer knew that he wasn't going to be able to publish the kind of material that he wanted to publish, like flying saucers and shaver mystery, things like that, and, and metaphysics. He was getting more and more into metaphysics. So he knew he was going to quit Ziff Davis, and he did that in 1949, but he wanted to have something going on before he quit. He, he wanted to found his own publishing house, which he did, and that was Fate Magazine was the first offering in 1948, spring. And interestingly enough, Richard Shaver had signed the corporation papers as well as Chester Geyer, and I think Hamling's name might have been on those papers too. And that was the beginning of kind of an incestuous relationship between Rapp's inner circle, as he as it was called by Hamling, where they were constantly signing these uh, incorporation papers, and it eventually got Ray Palmer and, and Richard Shaver into a lot of trouble. We'll go into what happened there in a moment, but I kind of think in retrospect that with Fate Magazine as a mass market publication, that very much kept the UFO subject alive in the late it 40s did. and early 50s. Oh, yeah, it did, because uh, practically every issue, there were flying saucers on the cover, and Ray Palmer knew he was he was riding the wave of interest in flying saucers. And um, after World War II, 
people were just dying to get away from the war and, and you know, the atomic bomb had been dropped. Uh, atomic energy was really big. Space flight with the U-2 rockets that the Germans were using. Everything was converging into a new age that we were getting into, and the flying saucers were part of that. All right, let's kind of move very quickly here because there's a lot of things I want to talk about with regard to my encounters with Palmer and Shaver and Geneva's encounters with Shaver, and that is Palmer eventually left Fate magazine and started his own company with publications of his own search, first called Mystic, kind of a alternative to Fate magazine. Was there a falling out between the Palmers and the Shavers? I've heard a couple of stories about this. There was. It was kind of an on-again, off-again thing. Um, Dottie Shaver, Richard's wife, uh, would bring it up to me occasionally, but she would never go into it. She just said there was a cooling off between them. But yet, uh, and this was up in Wisconsin when when Shavers were living up there, and uh, then the Palmers came to live there, too. 1950 was the year the Palmers moved to Amherst, and 1949 is when the Shavers moved there. But it didn't seem to shut off their friendship at all. They they would still come over every Saturday night, the Shavers would, and they would play chess, and they would have Ray Palmer's potato pancake dinners. Okay, but, but that was Palmer and Shaver. I was thinking of the Fullers and the oh, Palmers. The right, and we'll get into that in a moment. We have Richard Toronto joining us with Geneva Hagen, Gene Steinberg, and Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. 
Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. This is Kurt Seventy, author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. We're going back through time. War Over Lemuria is the book from Richard Toronto about Richard Shaver and Ray Palmer with Geneva Hagen, Gene, and Chris. Now, I've heard different stories about this. We had Jerome Clark on the Paracast once, and he talked about the falling out between Ray Palmer and Curtis Fuller over Fate magazine. Another reason, yeah, another reason for him to divorce himself from that publication when he moved to Amherst, Wisconsin. I didn't hear that as a reason that he moved to Amherst, but I wasn't privy to that information. Point is, Palmer starts his own publishing house. And it's interesting to then segue over how it changed the lives of many people. So we had Flying Saucers magazine, which came out, every month, every two months, whatever. And it had a little segment in there, a free area called Saucer Club News. And it was people, mostly by teenagers, who would start their own flying saucer clubs, like I did, and they get in touch with other people, and strangely enough, these all became our lifelong friends. But in 1965, I was working, this is still as a teenager, I'm not as old as I look, for Jim Mosley at Saucer News, And Jim organized this trip to Chicago, where we met up with a guy named Dale Reddick, a UFO researcher, Rick Hilberg, and I think somebody else, I don't remember who, but it was Jim, myself, probably Alan Greenfield, who's also been on the Paracast. And in Chicago, we met up with Jacques Vallée, 
He had a book out called Anatomy of a Phenomenon, if you remember. So we had one of the first interviews with Jacques Vallée, had a pleasant time. We decided to go up to visit Ray Palmer. And so this is in 1965. We drive up to the small town, and we kind of get lost. Amherst had a population there of about 500 people. And so we asked somebody at a gas station, do you know Ray Palmer? Of course we do. We didn't realize he was a pillar of the community and everything. And they sent us to his home. And we kind of expected modest surroundings. And he had this huge house with beautiful picture windows overlooking a little river called the Tomorrow River. So once we got there, I knew already what Palmer looked like about his deformity. And you really didn't think about it after you met him. And you talked to him for a while. Real pleasant guy. And I asked him a key question here, which I guess started part of the feuding with Richard Schaefer. And I said, I asked him some questions about the Schaefer mystery. And he came out with the fact that Schaefer spent the time in a mental institution when he claimed he was in the capes. And that's where things really got out of hand because I then conveyed that to Shaver and Shaver said, no, 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 no. It was a real experience. Palmer was wrong, but it was a fascinating sort of situation there. Yeah. I know Shaver's mom was really upset when Ray Palmer let the cat out of the bag about the asylum. Uh, She wouldn't talk to Ray Palmer after that. (laughs) Now that's a good question too. It happened to me in 65 that we got this information. I hadn't heard it before. Is that the first time he revealed it? I think it was earlier than that. When they had problems, with, like I alluded to, with signing of corporate papers, uh, they got into this porno publishing scandal called the Freedom Publishing Company. Um, it, it was Hamling's doing, because Hamling by that time had dumped science fiction, and he was going with girly mags like Rogue, and he was publishing softcore porn uh, paperbacks. He was a uh, friend of, or a former friend of Hugh Hefner. Well, he, well, not according to Hefner, but according to Hamlin, he was. Hefner denies <laughs> denies it. He there there was some kind of falling out between Hefner and Hamlin too. But uh, yeah, they were contemporaries at one time. They both worked for the same publishing company in the early fifties. But, so, where were we <laughs> at that point? Okay, so where it came out that Shaver had been in the mental institution, the outgrowth of that. And Palmer still said, in the interview with me, I still believe Shaver. But, of course, he didn't think of physical caves at that point. He was thinking of a mental process of the astral. This is where a lot of that started. And, as I said, I wrote to Shaver and said, what's this all about? And he went livid in those letters. Geneva, you probably saw some of those, right? I don't remember those particular letters. I remember we talked about it. Right. I know that we had an article in Caveat Tour magazine from Shaver. Yes. Well, I think that it came out during uh, a a meeting with some lawyers at Ray Palmer's house in 1963. That's when... The crapola hit the fan over this porno publishing thing, and then the media got a hold of it. And Ray Palmer didn't want his standing in the community to be ruined. And like I point out in the book, it appears that uh, it was decided that Shaver would take the fall for the whole thing. Uh, and that, I think, is when it started leaking out that Shaver had been in a mental hospital. Now, Ray Palmer wasn't a dumb guy. 
when Shaver was writing to him, I am almost positive he knew that Shaver was a former mental patient. But think about it. If he said, um, yeah, my author is a former mental patient and he's getting all this information that, that we're claiming is true and in our stories, and he couldn't say that. His publisher would not have allowed him to print this stuff, so he kept his yap shut about this. You can see in the letters that he published in uh, The Hidden World that Shaver was talking a lot about mental hospitals, nut houses, as he called them, bug houses, how his wife uh, convinced him that he had to go see a doctor and how they'll put you in there and you don't want to get in there. I mean, Ray Palmer had to have known that Richard Shaver was in a mental hospital as early as 1945. But if he had said that, it would have looked pretty bad on Ray Palmer for taking advantage of someone like that, and that's what people would have said. I mean, they said that anyway, but if Ray Palmer said, yeah, I knew he was in a hospital all the time, it didn't come out until many, many years later. Oh, the story was a nurse somehow uh, lifted his personal files from the asylum and showed them to me. Well, that's crazy. No nurse would lift a patient's files and show them to some science fiction editor, but that was Ray Palmer's story. So he had to let the cat out of the bag eventually, and I think it happened about that time when you talked to him, maybe a little earlier. Now, in the latter years of Shaver's life, and we'll get into what Palmer did, but in the latter years of Shaver's life, he got involved in something called rock books. And what I'd like to do here is have you briefly tell us about that, but then... We'll talk about the experiences that Geneva and I had in visiting Shaver and playing around with the rocks and the rock books. But how did this start, Richard? It started up in Wisconsin. Most people seem to feel, because all of his work seemed to be coming from Summit, that it started there, but it, it didn't. It started around 1962 up in, in Wisconsin, and it was actually Dottie Shaver that discovered the rock books and uh, Shaver even admits that, but he didn't pay any attention to it at first. Dottie said that he laughed at her at first, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But then, all of a sudden, um, a few weeks after, with these rocks just sitting on his desk, something clicked in his in his head, and that's when he discovered the rock books. Um, many years later, Dottie said, I wish he'd never gotten onto that. I wish I'd never put those rocks on his desk because it became an obsession. Now, these books supposedly depicted, were books supposedly depicting records of some kind of ancient civilization, but supposedly you needed special equipment to look at them. It's almost as if they had recorded their stuff, assuming they're real, which could be very complicated here to talk about, in some kind of crystalline form. And I think of the movie Superman the Movie, where Superman first becoming knowledgeable about his past takes these crystals and uses them to play back the holographic images of Jarrell. And I think, all right, that's cool, but what about Shaver? That's kind of almost the same thing. That in his own way, Shaver was seeing what he believed were records. And the question, of course, is, were they really records of anything or just a gigantic Rorsach test? Richard Toronto joins us with Gene, Chris, and Geneva Hagen. You're in The Paracast. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here Here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you. Has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So briefly, if I summed it up, Richard Toronto, about Shaver's Rock books? Yes, you have. And the ancient race of people that you spoke of that left this huge library, as he called it, all over the planet. Um, it was a civilization very similar to the one that he discovered when he went into the caverns. They were using high-tech uh, machinery technology, just like his other stories. And it was kind of a blending of his amazing stories uh, time where he went into the caverns and he brought back all this information. Now he was getting similar information from the rock books. Now, I gather very few people actually believe this, but you know what? Geneva and I, in those years, look at the rocks. Was there a point, Geneva, do you recall, where we suddenly said, you know what? Maybe there's something here. Maybe we can see those things, too. Well, I remember looking not at the rock itself, but a photograph he had sent us of the rocks, and suddenly I could see in it these almost cartoon-like little pictures of faces, elf-like faces with floppy Dr. Seuss-type hats. And they came out quite clearly, but to the point that I thought, wait a minute, this has got to be my projections because nobody would have put this in any kind of rock book. And unfortunately, those photographs were lost in a move, but around the year 2000 or shortly thereafter, I saw an article where explorers in France had found a Stone Age cave with paintings on the wall that showed modern-type drawings that looked very much like this with creatures with floppy hats, or actually kind of cartoonized people with floppy hats. So uh, I, I find that extremely intriguing. Now, the funny thing is here, she brought it to me at the time, and I said, you know what, I see them too. So maybe you and I were just as crazy. But later on, we got to visit Shaver. This was several years before he died. He was living with Dottie Shaver at a little cottage in Summit, Arkansas, Geneva. Let's go back in time and tell us about it. Well, the little town he was in was as nondescript as you can imagine. I don't even remember much in the way of trees. It was a desert little town, and he had a, a very small house and Behind the house, there was his wife's ceramic studio, and there was his um, art and rock studio. And he showed us, he didn't do it for us, but he showed us the equipment of how he would enlarge these rock paintings. And I suppose at the time, he didn't have the photographic equipment or couldn't afford to make actual enlarged photographic prints. So he would use a process of enlarging the photograph with a regular enlarger and enlarging a, a negative of the photograph. Then he would drift a powder of marine glue dust. He would spray the, a paper underneath, a very large piece of artist paper with fixative, 
and drift down a powder of marine glue dust. And he said that the pressure of the light and dark light beams, which I find this even still very hard to believe, but he claimed that it caused the dust to adhere in patterns similar to that on the negative. And then he would go and manually by hand fill in and paint over to actually create the picture, but that way it gave him one true to the originals. And he created some excellent artwork, very detailed and complex with pictures within pictures by this method. So even if it was just uh, an aid to his inner processing, it was fascinating. I, I would like to learn more of the science to find out if it's actually possible that this could have worked the way he thought it did. What was your impression of Shaver? Well, he seemed like a very affable, very intelligent person. If you met him eh, on the street or in any other context, you would not hesitate to take him at face value. And he was extremely nice to us at the time, being struggling young writers. And a lot of people don't have a lot of time to give to young people in their 20s who are just still in the amateur phase. But Shaver was very forthcoming. And in, unfortunately, we became kind of his voice, I think he felt, for to the outside world. And he began writing us each a letter or two or sometimes more every day. And he would enclose rock book photographs. And, and these would be multi-page typewritten letters. And since we did have lives at the time, there was just no way that we could possibly read and respond to those, even though we were with magazines dealing with that kind of material. So it's quite tragic in a way that this was going on. And we kind of let the ball drop, I feel. Well, of course, as you and I moved and lived our separate lives, all the records and most of the records from Shaver, they were lost or just set aside. I don't have much of anything either. Maybe I have a handful of letters, but most of what actually was published is the record that we have now in Caveat M Tour magazine. I mentioned this to our listeners. We had this magazine in two incarnations from early 70s to the mid 70s, again from 1988, 89 to the early 90s. I am hoping that we'll reprint a lot of this stuff, especially the Shaver material, because otherwise it's going to be lost. Some of the material was also published in Crossroads Quarterly, another amateur zine that I was involved with in the mid-70s. And I do have a, no, I think I probably sent those to Richard Toronto earlier. Uh, I had some of his unpublished work, but very little now. I have one slice of rock, and uh, that may be all that I have of the unpublished shaver. It would be interesting to take that rock. And now subjected to some analysis with modern equipment. It appears to have a sea creature on it. The sea creature is pretty easy to see, but the nature of the rock, it looks quite ordinary, but who knows? What's your feeling about Schaefer? Did you believe he really had the experiences he has? Well, I believe he had some kind of experience, and uh, certainly channelers can come up with some remarkable things. His experiences do remind me of those of channelers that I have known who say that there are, there seem to be levels of consciousness where this stuff is being broadcast and you can actually go to it and transcribe it. I used to know one channeler who was fairly accurate 
in the Edgar Casey tradition who would read off things, literally do psychic readings, and he would mispronounce words sometimes because he was pronouncing them as they were spelled. And when he was back in his normal state, he would not remember what he had said, so his wife recorded all these. And this was actually a NASA space scientist. So this stuff happens, and what is behind it, no one knows. I still tend to get into a certain realm of government mind control. I know that Shaver said even back in the 70s, and it it proved to be correct, that a lot of the psychiatric patients in Russia were actually uh, political dissidents. We know then we found out that the CIA was doing just incredibly complicated and bizarre uh, mind control experiments on people once they got their hands on LSD. And now, of course, they actually have machines that can almost read your mind and feed stuff to you. And there are support groups online for people who think that they're being messed with this way. So I'm keeping an open mind. I don't go there in much detail because it leads to a very poor state of mental health. But that's just one of the interesting things about our world. Richard Toronto, let's talk about the final days of Ray Palmer, because as far as Shaver was concerned, he died, what, two, three years after we met him at his home. Palmer, I guess the interest in what he did in the circulation of his magazines declined steadily over the years after he moved to Amherst, right? Yes, that's true. I wanted to ask you something, Gene, though. Sure. Uh, During your interview with Ray Palmer, did you ask him about the fact? You know, I think I did. I have to look at the text of it. It was in the first issue of Caveat Tour magazine, and I actually have the transcribed version. I could look it up. But let's talk about that, because that's not something that you really dealt with. No, and there's a reason that I didn't deal with it, because it's so um, mind-numbing after you get into it. I mean, he brings it up over the years, and his readers bring it up to him, and every time he talks about it, he gives a slightly different twist to it. But um, I, and just the other day, I ran across uh, in an editorial in Flying Saucers for Fall 1973 a paragraph where it seems to me he went into it more than at any other point, and I think it kind of ties into what Geneva was just talking about. Now, let me just preface this about a fact. I mentioned it on the air in connection with something else, and I'll tell you what it is in a moment. Richard Toronto joins us. The book is War Over Lemuria. We have a few questions from our listeners, and Chris will ask them in a few moments. But right now, we have Geneva Hagen joining us. Richard Toronto with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We 
the People Grow Cotton, Wheat Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to Protect from Counterfeit and Carding to a Private Bank, Having it Led Back at Interest, Forcing Taxes to Service Debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we have Richard Toronto, author of War Over Lemuria. We have Geneva Hagen. We have Gene Steinberg. We have Chris O'Brien. And the reason I mention this fact in connection with another thing we had a couple of abduction researchers on UFO abduction researchers just a couple of weeks ago. And what they said is they use some hidden factor that's in abduction cases that's never reported to determine whether the thing is factual or not. By knowing this particular factoid, they could evaluate the cases to see if they conform to this fact and if not, you'd suspect the reality. So Palmer said, I guess this goes back to the 60s, when he first started talking about this fact, that he has this piece of information, and this piece of information is something he uses by which to judge whether a UFO sighting is real or not. Tell us more, Richard. Yeah, but he, of course, wouldn't really tell exactly what this fact was, but he said it would tell him, you know, it didn't matter whether it was a UFO report or whatever, any bit of information that somebody was giving him. But if it's okay, I just read this one paragraph that he wrote that really gets into it. So this is Ray Palmer speaking. He says, first, let's say that there's an organization. Let's call it that, the organization, because this is the sort of group you don't name, not unless you want to wind up under the wheels of a truck or with a bullet in the back of your head. The organization is the real power behind the governments of the world. It is the same group we've many times called the hidden or secret government. Most people can't swallow that because they insist on looking all around the world for the people who constitute the government. The trouble is, one of them might be your neighbor. But oddly enough, your neighbor would not know he is a member of the organization. But you might be able to identify him by his philosophy of life. 
he would fit neatly into the plan. That's really my fact. I long ago discovered the plan. Once you know what the plan is, you can determine the truth or untruth of what anyone says to you. So I think that part of this organization and plan he's talking about, he's referring to this place in the atmosphere, in Etheria, as it's called. Well, you know what? I'm going to read a paragraph or two from this interview. Now, we may have a recording of this interview because we played the entire interview on Bob Zanotti's Coffee Clot show. Mm-hmm. And Bob's a friend of the show. Of course, he's our also does our bumpers. He's kind of a staff announcer for the show. And if he can dig that up, we'll play it, parts of it anyway. Now, here's what he's saying, for example, about his fact. To get back to this particular thing, I say what he is saying is not realistically true, that he didn't take a trip and that I couldn't duplicate it. This is talking about a contactee, I guess. And I couldn't have gone along with him. But I want to call your attention to what Scully originally said in his book, Behind the Flying Saucers, in which he talked about this Mr. G and the fact that there was a flying saucer at some Air Force base and that Mr. G had seen the bodies of three little men about three foot tall and that they had a time system based on the Venus calendar and so on watches, chronometers, which registered on a Venus system of time rather than Earth. And the one particular thing he put in this book that made me believe him, I disbelieve the rest of it entirety, he said that these little people were dressed in clothing peculiar to the Spaniards of 400 years ago. And when he said that, I believed him. Now this will give you an indication of how far out my fact must be, because, and it involved more than I can explain here. But when somebody comes to me with a story like that, which has this one little thing in it, which makes everybody else disbelieve him, that's the thing that makes me believe it. Because if a man is telling a lie, he's not going to put it in such a glaring and obvious weakness. And that was the end of the interview, by the way. Wow, sounds like the trickster to me. (laughs) (laughs) But those cave uh, pictures from France could have been similar to the dress of Spain 400 years ago. Oh? I'd have to look them up again on the internet and do some comparison, but just my general impression with what I know of history, it wouldn't be not the case. I have a a bit of interesting tie-in to what Geneva's been talking about, uh, that piece of rock that she saw the people in. Uh, Shaver worked with a guy named W.G. Bliss. I mentioned him in the book. Yes, I know him, or I knew him. Oh, you did? Okay. He really feels strongly about Shaver's discovery of the rock books, but he diverges at some point and says that that there's a mechanism at work in the universe that is constantly imprinting images that we can discern in just about everything, in growing trees, in rock, in anything that will take this, I don't know what you would call it, a vibration, sort of like a stylus, a needle on an old-fashioned phonograph when you're recording it. He says that these images, he calls them universal imagery, is in just about everything. And now Shaver did not like that. Shaver didn't like it at all. Uh, he said that, you know, it was exactly what he said it was, that, that these images were put there by this ancient civilization. But Bliss was saying that the images were just coming from outer space, from probably from 
time immemorial from extraterrestrial civilizations or whatever, what we're seeing or what Shaver was seeing in those rock books may not have been from this planet at all. I, I'd like to add also that scientists now believe that the brain perceives through symbols. It's not that we perceive symbols and they mean something, but symbols are actually our means of perception. Unless we have already created a symbol for something, we don't perceive it. So basically, when we see something new for the first few times, we we can't encode a memory of it because we don't have that. It's kind of like voice recognition software. So the brain takes the best guess at what this thing is likely to be and presents this to us. Yeah, and it's interesting, the farther back you go in time to the most primitive times, at any point in the world you will find the same symbols. Everyone in in isolated little groups and tribes were drawing the same symbols. I find that very interesting. That shows some kind of commonality early on, if nothing else. Yep, that people were picking up on something, seeing the same things. I mean, I've seen stones that were carved, and originally the People used stones way before a shaver and saw things in the surfaces. It was mostly the surfaces of the stones. Indians would collect them. Shaver said he had this uh, stone that was a foot. I, I think there was a picture of it in the book. And he was offered $20 for that foot that he found by uh, some Indian woman who wanted it. Indians prize those particular things. For some reason, they have significance, this foot-type stone. Wow. This is all into the realm of Carl Jung and archetypal symbology that's cross-cultural, that we all share basic primal symbols, and and uh, they're inherent in, in all sort of the human uh, subconscious. And and I, I find this very fascinating. I think that, that these are areas, especially in the realm of UFO studies, that aren't really addressed, I think, uh, adequately. One of the interesting things I'm getting from this Ray Palmer hinting, Ray Palmer hinting around a certain sort of litmus test of information that he has. I, I, I can appreciate that it, it sounds to me that there's a, an, an element of absurdity that he would identify that would almost, as you, as you mentioned, negate the entire experience. Yet in Palmer's mind, it would, it would legitim, legitimize it and, and actually validate it in Palmer's mind. And, I find that very interesting. I, I think a lot of people that have been out in the field and, and collected um, witness accounts can attest to this, that that oftentimes people are very reluctant to give a specific detail about a sighting event because they would feel that it would, in, you know, it would just totally invalidate the rest of the experience and make them sound like they were crazy. And I've had people come to me later on and say, you know, there was one little part of this uh, event that I experienced that I kind of didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to think I was crazy. I've heard that on more than a few occasions. So I think this is a really interesting point that you guys are bringing up. We'll have a lot more. The book is War Over Lemuria by Richard Toronto. We have Geneva Hagen joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, 
paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. 
And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, we posted a thread at our forums, forum.theparacast.com, in a place called Question Bank, where listeners had a chance to ask Geneva and Richard different things about their investigations. Chris, can you assemble some questions? Let's go for it. Well, this comes from uh, Sentry, a poster at forum.theparacast.com. And he's going to be, by the way, a guest on next week's show. We're covering Ah. the Cash Landrum case. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, he says, Richard, the underlying themes of the Shaver mystery seem to have been recycled for the dark vision of ufology in the 80s, with sinister technologically advanced beings preying on and toying with humans with abductions, tortures, mutilations, and secret underground locations. Do you see the similarity... And could the belief in the greys be just another manipulation of us by the Duros? Yeah, you've you've seen a thread there, and that thread does exist. The Duros are definitely working against us, but Shaver himself wrote a sort of landmark pamphlet, booklet, called Vermin from Space. And that came out, I think, in the early 70s. And that detailed how the aliens were definitely working against us. And I picked up on that thread, and interestingly enough, in a magazine called Official UFO, uh, Gene, where you had an interview with uh, J. Allen Hynek in there. Yes, that goes back 100 years. I know, and (laughs) you won't realize it, but uh, I had a piece in that same magazine, but under a pen name. I was Zenner Harrison Coit, and the article was called Everything You Ever Wanted to Believe About UFOs May Not Be True, and it goes into that, how these aliens are really uh, out to get us and all. It was sort of a sensationalist article, but it was based on Shaver's alien worldview, how it's not a benevolent thing at all. And I think that it could be an outgrowth of of the Shaver mystery early days, which also spun off conspiracy literature to to a high degree. They're out to get us. Yeah, they're out to get us. Chris, more questions? Well, just because, uh... You think they're out to get you doesn't mean they're not. This is one from Tom, 1961, who's a recent addition to the forum.paracast.com family. And uh, he has several questions here. I think we've answered the first two, uh, whether we think, whether you think Shaver believed his story. It sounds like he did. Uh, he just wanted to remind you that uh, he was in a mental institution. But this is an interesting question. And I think it's a valid one. Did Shaver ever try to write anything else on any other subjects? Do we have any indication that that he, um, you know, obviously he wrote a lot of letters. Uh, he was an amazing correspondent. But did he ever attempt to write anything else? Other than the Shaver mystery, you mean? Correct. And the rocks, of course. Uh, yeah, he did. He wrote some non-Shaver mystery stories. One was Why Skeets Malloy Has Two Heads, which I loved that story. It was in a magazine called Orbit in the early 50s. And he wrote some uh, science fiction stories for a guy named Lowndes, Robert Lowndes, and those were published uh, away from Ziff Davis. So he, he did have a, an existence away from the Shaver mystery. He wanted to be a writer. If Ray Palmer hadn't created this whole Shaver mystery mystique, I think in some ways Shaver would have been happier because essentially Ray Palmer 
forged that whole Shaver mystery and, and with Shaver being one of the central characters in it. And Shaver had no control over that, really, if you think about it. It was all created in amazing stories. What Shaver really wanted, and he wanted this back in the 30s and even in the 20s, was to become a writer just like his brother Tate uh, and his mother. They were a family of writers, and Shaver wanted to be a writer. But once he was branded as the guy who was the namesake of the Shaver mystery, he was kind of dragged along by this this uh, image of the Shaver mystery. And he, he tried to break out of it, but like you say, after the late 60s and his banishment from Wisconsin after the Freedom Publishing scandal... Uh, he kind of went underground and was low-key because he didn't want to get arrested again and sent back to the asylum. Uh, that was always a continuing fear he had. So in Summit, he pretty much became a correspondent and wrote for fanzines like Caveat Emptor and others. And I didn't start my fanzine until after he had died, so I... I was not among those, although I did have a Shaver interview that I reprinted that I did with him. But anywho, I hope that answers that question. Well, you know, that brings up an interesting point uh, in my mind. When he originally approached Ray Palmer and Palmer hijacked his story, embellished it, uh, kind of put it in his own, sort of became more than an editor. Do you think that uh, it doesn't sound like Shaver really had resentments about that because it put him on the map. But do you think that there was some sort of underlying resentment that existed because of the way that Palmer hijacked his story? Yeah, I think there was because once Palmer started putting in his own ideas uh, about it, especially the, the bit about, you know, these are tarot's and tarot's could be on the astral plane or they could be in atmosphere for all we know, that really got Shaver upset. Oh, here's a question from Solarian, who's been a poster at forum.theparacast.com for about a year now, and he's one of our active uh, members, always asks good questions. And this is a good one, too. Um, I, I kind of think any of the three of you can really uh, look at this question and kind of scratch your head. What's your opinion on why the fantasy genre has gained more popularity than science fiction in the past 13 years? And that's a good question. I've been wondering that myself with all the vampires and and werewolves and, uh, you know, this resurgence of fantasy uh, stuff. Is this because of video games? Is this because of, uh, of Japanese cartooning? What do you guys think? I think it's sheer laziness. Uh, science fiction today, because of the level of our technology, requires a lot of knowledge of science, whereas fantasy, you recycle the same old stories. I call it bulk fiction, and everything now is published in sets of three or five or more, and usually the writer shows signs of burning out after volume two or three, but they still have publisher's contracts, so on it goes, and you could take it and place it in any period of history, and a lot of them are set in the past, and it would read just as well. It's I think it's kind of a form of cheating. It's not really related to science fiction. Geneva, do you think it partly is uh, due also to the way the publishing industry has changed in the last 15 years? They really have (laughs) condensed down to just a handful of major publishers. Uh, They love to do these series and continue them on. You know, they brand things, they license things. 
like Iron Man, and you know they're going into the DC Comics constantly for movies. And I, I think that it's partly due to the publishing industry too. That uh, once they get something they feel is a winner, like uh, the Twilight series of vampires, suddenly vampires became very popular, uh, as is werewolves now. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, True Blood, which is also based on a series of novels, although I think the author is planning to stop writing those. But right now, the show remains very, very popular on TV. We have Richard Toronto. The book is War Over Lemuria. We have Geneva Hagen with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp you 
HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. With Gene and Chris, we have Geneva Hagen joining us, Richard Toronto, author of War Over Lemuria. We're looking at the life and times of Richard Shaver and Ray Palmer and their amazing influence to the world of science fiction, which, as we said before, Results in Star Wars and Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. Chris, some more questions? This one comes from JT, who's a longtime poster. He's been posting at forum.theparacast.com for, um, geez, almost five years now. He has a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is, you've mentioned the Shaver paintings. Do you know if any of these still exist? I mean, are they collectible items? And he says, I dearly hope you will publish a glorious coffee table book of these existing slides of his otherwise lost art. They do exist, although a lot of them were lost and destroyed because Shaver, being as poor as he was, didn't have the finances to buy canvases on stretched on frames and things like that. So he would paint them on what he had, which was cardboard boxes, unfortunately, one of the most acidic type papers to paint on, and he sometimes painted on plywood. Uh, I have the Attack of the Eight Bats painting that he had, uh, painted on plywood, and that has held up. Although the materials that he used, uh, that Geneva described, and by the way, her description of how he painted was exactly the same description I got from Tal Levesque who also visited Shaver, and Shaver demonstrated uh, how he did his paintings and the sifting and the swirling and all that. It was identical. So he he was repeating that method, although Tall said that um, he didn't necessarily even need to project uh, a rock slice image onto the canvas, that he could just sort of wing it on his own, and he would sort of call up the ray people, you know, like the Tiros, and uh, have them sort of impress an image, too. 
So he did both. He did the projected image and sort of winged it with this sort of psychic painting, too. The paintings do still exist. Some do. Uh, one New York collector bought up a bunch of them thinking he was going to make a killing. And then he ended up selling the collection, not to a museum, but to a private collector. And I'm not sure where all those paintings went, but I still have some. And I hope to put together that coffee table book because while I was researching my second book, I came across an envelope in my files from Shaver, and uh, it may have been from Dottie, because after he died, she just kept sending me stuff that she was either going to throw out or she would send to me. She destroyed a lot of material from his files just because she was so despondent after he died. But one thing I found was an envelope full of color slides that Shaver had taken of his different paintings, probably to promote himself to a gallery or something. So with that as a basis, I think I could put together some kind of a, a nice coffee table book, but um, that may be sometime in the future. It'd be interesting. I've seen reproductions of some of his artwork, and uh, he was quite a visual guy, no question about it. Uh, he did have, I think, some natural talent. This is a, an, another question uh, from Sentry. And he kind of puts it out there for everyone. And he starts it out with a quote from Captain Edward J. Ruppelt uh, from True Magazine, 1954. And uh, the quote is, Obscured by the hoaxes, distorted by the literary charlatans who hail every vagrant light as a verified spaceship, the case of the flying saucer rests on the inexplicable instances that have cropped up year after year since 1947. <laughs> and Sentry says, literary charlatans? Any educated guesses as to who he was referring to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had it in for uh, Ray Palmer, that's for sure. Yeah, moving right along. This is another question from um, our good friend um, JT. I'm just reading the engagingly written but visually pedestrian Fred Nattis book on the subject. Besides having known Shaver and spending decades studying and discussing his works, what other reasons are there to pick your book over his? Well, I haven't read his book, so I can't really say. <laughs> Although, from what I've been hearing and in the reviews that have been coming up, people are saying that mine is much more extensively researched than the native book, which makes some sense because I took six years to write for me to research and write the book, uh, War Over Lemuria, and uh, I became aware that Fred Natus was starting to write his book sometime last year, so it took him about a year to put together his material. But I also know that um, he did not have access to the same people that I had access to, uh, two of which was Ray Palmer's daughter, uh, Linda Jane Palmer, and Richard Shaver's daughter, uh, Evelyn Bryant. Um, so I've got it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, there. wanted to ask you about that. With regard to Shaver and Palmer and their descendants, any budding writers among them, or that did that all end with the deaths of Shaver and Palmer? I'm afraid it did. Um uh, Ray Palmer's son, Ray B. Palmer, uh, says that the writing
biting bug didn't bite him, and he has a very difficult time writing, which is why he never came out with a book on his father. It kind of surprised me that he still hasn't written anything, that it took uh, all these years for me and, and Fred Natives to, to do it. Um, and as far as Shaver, his daughter is not interested in writing at all. She became, though, an art teacher, so she was... Uh, following in her dad's footsteps as an artist. So there you go. We had Raymond B. Palmer on the Paracast some weeks back, and it was yeah. fascinating to get his remembrances of his dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was really pleased that uh, I got to meet uh, Linda Jane Palmer. She came out here to California uh, a couple of years ago with her husband Bob. And uh, we hung out for a couple of days and uh, talked a lot about her dad. And uh, that's when she gave me permission to reprint uh, her dad's stuff for my book. Now, Palmer had actually planned to write his own autobiography. But somehow it never came to pass, or it came to pass, but not quite in the way that anyone expected. Well, if you call 36 pages in The Secret World an autobiography, that that's it. But he didn't really cover much at all of his life, you know, and, and he anguished over that book uh, for years. It took him something like four or five years just to pin those 36 pages, which is why he had to piggyback Shaver's rock book uh, work onto that book. Well, this is, you know, quite interesting because we have to look at Palmer, who was the quintessential hack writer. He could churn out tens of thousands of words on a moment's notice. He wrote dozens and dozens of short stories and novel-length books and magazine articles over the years. He edited all these publications. He ghost-wrote stuff for people. He answered all those letters in his magazines. But he couldn't finish his autobiography, why? Because he, this goes back to his boyhood, you know, he he just couldn't talk about his personal life. He, he had too many secrets in his life. Like, nobody knew that he had been married before he married Marjorie. Nobody talked about that. He didn't write about it anywhere, even though he would write about everybody else's wedding and engagement and amazing stories. He never said a word about that. It was only because Palmer's daughter that I found out, and then I did a little research, found his marriage certificate. Yes, he was married. As you can see, getting the truth about Ray Palmer's background is in itself a job and a half, and then some, because Ray wasn't always forthcoming about it. We'll go into more about the things we didn't know about Ray Palmer's life and Richard Shaver and more. The book is War Over Lemuria. With Richard Toronto, with Gene and Chris and Geneva Hagen, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hey, gang, as you can imagine, living with the moniker America's Mr. Right can be kind of tough at times. But you know what? It's easy to live up to the challenge when you're feeling good. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Lewis, and that's why I watch what I eat and supplement my diet with great products from Longevity, like their great vitamin mineral complex drink or a protein shake or my favorite probiotic dark chocolate packed with antioxidants. You know, I love these products, and I'll bet you will, too. And now you can get them all at JasonLewisTeam.com. Now, look, these are just the things I like from Longevity. but if you're looking for, a, say, a sports drink endorsed by an NBA All-Star or a shot of Pollen Burst, the best energy drink on the market, it's all here, too. All you have to do is go to JasonLewisTeam.com or call 1-855-310-TEAM. Now, that's 1-855-310-TEAM. Get all these products and more and feel like America's Mr. Right. It's JasonLewisTeam.com. 
Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. It's our final segment of the Paracast with Gene and Chris. We have Geneva Hagen joining us on the panel. Richard Toronto, the book is War Over Lemuria. We're talking about the final days of Ray Palmer. And I gather here, Richard, that he had written so much fictional stuff about his life that actually telling the truth, he couldn't handle the truth, could he? No, he couldn't handle the truth. Um, he believed in keeping secrets as, uh, as something sort of beneficial. And he often would say that. If you go through a lot of his writings and his editorials, I mean, his whole life story is really in all those editorials, in all of those magazines. And, and there's a ton of material in there, but it takes forever to go through it all. And you might get a little gem here and a gem there, but you'll be spending hours reading through all this stuff in days. But he often would say, don't believe what I'm telling you. I tend to lie, and I lie all the time. And, uh, you know, he'll drop that in and then move right on and tell you about something that you're supposed to believe in, you know. And he would say that about his autobiography uh, in Forum magazine. He was constantly telling his readers, you know, I've got to write the truth, but, you know, what is the truth? I don't know. What's true right now is not going to be true for me tomorrow. And he, he was like, like I pointed out in the book, he's like an octopus that just disappears in a cloud of black ink and the ink where it's his words it's almost as if he didn't want people to know the truth didn't want to know him for some reason and people would remark about that that it was very difficult to get to know who he was but i think that because of his background and because of shaver's background both of them being more or less ostracized in their own way that's why they hit it off and that's why they sort of hooked up with one another as a team all those years, even though Shaver was a reluctant member most of the time. They were birds of a feather in some ways. Oh, yeah. They were definitely brothers under the skin. That's what I describe them as. And that's what Ray Palmer said. Uh, Dottie told me that when when, uh, she called Ray Palmer to tell him that Dick Shaver had died, he said it felt as though he had just lost his brother even though there were, like, family members feuding a lot. They were always feuding, that's right, but it was that underlying quality that, you know, they were both reviled by everyone. They were not believed by everyone. They both suffered a lot in their lives, physically and emotionally, and had to claw their way out of that existence, and that cemented their relationship. Now... Did Shaver ever try to do a full autobiography of himself? Only in fictionalized way in The Dream Makers. The Dream Makers was a novel he wrote in 1948, I think, and it was going to be part of the Aldebaran Press. that He was, he was trying to start his own publishing house, and Aldebaran Press was the name. And he was going to write this huge 800-page work uh, called the Elder World, and but in the meantime, he wrote the Dream Bakers, and he went into his early life and his school life, and a lot of it uh, was true. I did research and found out that it was true, but he basically, uh, in that story, 
tells the history of the voices and when when and how the voices came to him. But that's the closest he got. Uh, when I put it to him in 1975 that we needed to collaborate on the book on his life, he wrote one page for me and sent it to me. And that was about six months before he died. And so I was left with this one page and basically didn't know what to do with it because I didn't really know Shaver or what really went on in his life. So uh, when I started Shavertron, that was my way that I was going to somehow collect the information I needed. It was going to put me in touch with people. And it did help to some extent, but it took me all this time to finally get the book done because the story is so complex. Now, looking back at the lives of Shaver and Palmer that you researched, what is your feeling about them? Especially Palmer, would you have liked to have known this man as he came out to be not what people thought of him? Oh, um, I think I would have really admired him. Um, and everyone who, including you, who met him, he was a charming, very personable guy, just as Shaver was. Um, but they were very different personalities. I think I would have liked him, although I think it would have been exasperating in some ways not knowing what to believe because people who knew him for long periods of time, even even then, weren't sure what he was telling him was true. Now, interesting thing, too, where as Shaver retired to this little cottage in rural Arkansas, in his hometown in Amherst, Wisconsin, where he had moved and his family moved, he was a pillar of the community, Ray Palmer. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He was a member of the school board for years there. Uh, this kind of stuff never really got out, but he was in the Lions Club, and, and his wife, Marjorie, she started a couple of women's clubs there. They became definitely a pillar of society there. Now, the impression I got when I first entered the door with my companions is that Marjorie was very protective towards Ray, and we understand because of his condition. And when we saw him in 1965... This is some years after he suffered an accident in the basement of his home where he fell and he hurt himself and he was barely able to walk after that. That was in 1950, right, just before they moved to Amherst. What's uh, even more unusual is at that point they also thought he was going to die, but he claimed in his books that he was operated on by a team of doctors from the astral plane, including the ghost or spirit of the doctor who supposedly botched the operation on his spine when he was a child. That's right. And he told this story not only in his magazine, but uh, one of the first people he told it to was William Hamling, who then told me the story when I visited Hamling in Palm Springs in 2009. So it was a very real experience for him. And Hamling would always defer to Ray Palmer for anything like that. He says, yep, maybe he did. You know, I mean... What the heck? Uh, the guy ended up walking. They said he wasn't going to walk again. He could die. Look what happened. He ended up walking again. Well, I know that when I saw him, he could walk, but slowly. A shuffle. Kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and his daughter said he would often fall, and he would get very angry with himself over that. But he'd get right back up. Yeah, he would get right. I mean, the guy was amazing. <laughs> he was totally amazing. He had uh, willpower to the nth degree. And you kind of hoped he would have been more successful in his latter years because he made most of his money, I guess, from printing other people's books and magazines rather than publishing his own. Yeah, if he hadn't set up his own print shop, he would have 
probably disappeared from the scene entirely. I think the Palmer magazines would have gone away probably in the late 60s. But in 1962 or three, that's when he acquired a couple of high-speed presses. Uh, he said he put another mortgage on the farm and, and they set it up in the old schoolhouse there. And they were printing books and other things. One thing that Linda Palmer told me, she, she didn't really go along with her father's dreams and mysticism. She, it was kind of embarrassing to her, she said. She has an entire chapter in my uh, sequel book called Sailing Down Tomorrow River, and she talks a lot about the people that came by to visit. They kind of scared her off a lot of times, but how much they were printing uh, out of house, you know, to, to make money. They had about 17 employees. They had to keep them paid. And she uh, talked about the time she met L. L. Taylor Hansen down in uh, Arizona in Mesa uh, when she was trying to get the copyright to He Walked the Americas. The book is War Over Lemuria. Richard Toronto, you have a website we can check out? Yeah, www.shavertron.com. It needs a major update. There's no information about the book there, but if you go on Amazon, you'll find the book there. Geneva, do you have a website yet? No, only my Facebook page. Geneva Hagen on Facebook. If you're nice, she'll accept you as a friend. You can find Chris O'Brien at OurStrangePlanet.com. You can find us at TheParacast.com. On Twitter, we are also TheParacast. Geneva Hagen. Richard Toronto, thank you both for joining us this week on the Paracast. Oh, it's been a pleasure to do this. It brings back so many memories, and um, I have so much more I'd like to discuss with you, Richard. Yeah, I feel the same. It's uh, like all these years in between, and we, uh, we've we got so much we could talk about, uh, our fanzines and all that. So, And actually, uh, I'm going to try a reprint of all the run of Shavertron, just like you guys are doing with Caveat Emptor. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>